Hello, 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 good people. My name is Jordan McLean, and I am here to let you know that the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. So before we get the show started this week, I want to take a second and send my thoughts and my prayers and my love to Kylie Ray. This past week uh, via her Patreon, she announced that she is no longer a professional wrestler. Um, it came as a shock and, you know, came very suddenly to the pro wrestling world. Um, and I believe just a few minutes before I press record to start doing this episode that I've seen a report that um, Impact Wrestling had actually put a gag order on their performers so that they could not talk about why Kylie Ray was not at Bound for Glory. Um, I'm not sure how true that is. I don't have any insider knowledge. I don't know anybody. I don't think I know anybody who knows Kylie Ray um, close enough to know that business. And even if I did, you know, it's it's not my business. It's not your business. It's not anybody's business. Um, there have been rumors swirling around. I don't even want to get off into the rumors. Just I want to send my love and my prayers to her. If she's done with professional wrestling, say thank you for what she has done. If she's not done with professional wrestling, I hope she gets whatever help she needs so that she can come back to professional wrestling healthy and happy and ready to go and ready to kick ass like she has been doing. I also want to take a second to send my thoughts and my prayers to Ruthless Lala. Um, She knows everything that I'm about to say, but obviously she's been going through a rough time as well. And since you already know, I, I love you and I need you to get better so that you can get back to knocking motherfuckers head off for the culture respectfully though (laughs) um so yeah shout out to those ladies nothing but love and prayers to them and shout out to anybody who is listening to this thing who might need love and prayers um we're all going through something you know and it's much better to go through something with somebody than to go through it alone. So if you're out there and you're going through anything mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it may be, reach out to somebody. Reach out to somebody that you trust, somebody that you can uh, put your confidence in to actually hold you and hold your heart. Um, This has been a really trying, rough year for everybody. You know, all this is new. And especially in the wrestling community, I know before wrestling opened back up, a lot of my friends, my wrestling friends were having a rough time because wrestling is a safe place for a lot of people. It can be toxic, it can be dangerous, but for a lot of people, this world, this business is their safe place, me included. So... You know, if you're out there and you're going through a rough time, just reach out, talk to somebody, anybody. Don't um, don't suffer in silence. Don't go through anything by yourself if you don't have to. 
Because one thing that I can promise you, this goes for me and I know this goes for a lot of other people as well. We would much rather listen to you complain than to stand at your funeral. So there's that on that. Alrighty, we're going to dive off into this week's episode of the following podcast is scheduled for one fall episode two. Before I dive off into it, I want to send a big thank you out to everyone who has supported the show so far. That first episode, um, it means a lot to me. I've met a lot of new people through that one episode. Um, so thank you guys so much for sharing it. Be sure to follow me on my social medias. Instagram is at the Jordan Terrell. Twitter is at Mr. Jordan Terrell. To talk about anything that I talk about in this episode, any other wrestling topic that you want to talk about, I'm available. I'm here. I like to talk. So, with that being said, let's get off into this show. The first thing we're going to talk about is Kenzie Page Henry versus Jordan Grace from the very first uh, installment of Flawless that happened up in Tennessee um, maybe a month ago, something around, something along those lines. Um, it's an all women's show, so y'all know I had my eyes all on that to see, um, what was going to come of that. You know, I love women's wrestling. A lot of the time I love it more than men's wrestling. So there's that. Um, but this match is available on uh title match network, the YouTube channel title match network. Um, first things first, this crowd was insanely hot for this match the whole way through. This crowd was crazy, crazy, crazy hot. And I think that the match actually matched that energy because this match was very fast-paced, very high energy. Jordan Grace and Kenzie Page, uh, Henry, work very well together. I think this is maybe their second or third time facing each other, um, I believe was said on commentary. If not, if this was their first time working with each other, they worked really well together, and I hope to see them uh, work together again in the future. One thing that I can note about this match is Kenzie Page's star is quickly rising. And... I know that that's really not saying much to some people. She's been on AEW Dark a handful of times and, you know, she's tearing it up on the indies. But, I mean, her star is rising fairly fast. She t- she trained at uh, JPWA, Jacob Pritchard's Wrestling Academy, um, under Dr. Tom Pritchard, legendary wrestling trainer, and um, Glenn Jacobs, who we know as Kane in WWE. So she she trained up there, so it's expected that she knows what she's doing. She definitely does know what the hell she's doing. Um, And she really, she stood out to me in this match because it's not easy to stand up against somebody like Jordan Grace. Jordan Grace is tearing it up on Impact, former Impact uh, Knockouts champion. She, I believe, now is in the running for the X Division Championship, which would, if she wins, I believe, make her the first X Div- woman to hold the X Division Championship in Impact Wrestling. Um, so, you know, it, it would be easy for somebody like Kenzie Page Henry to get lost in the sauce and get caught up in that spotlight of, wow, I'm facing Jordan Grace. Um, but I think she handled herself perfectly in this match. 
I think that she played the perfect villain to Jordan Grace. Um, I think that they both got a lot of shine and they both came out of this looking great. You know, it's 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 kind of lost in professional wrestling that both people make each other look good in a match. Um, so I'm really glad that they made each other look good. You know, Jordan kind of gave Kenzie that rub um, from someone who's been at at a higher platform from someone who knows what it's like to be in that spotlight. And I think Kenzie stepped into it perfectly. I think that she matched Jordan very well. And I want to see more of Kenzie. I, I like what she's doing and I do see her in a lot of places, but I'm ready to see her on that next level consistently, not just AEW dark. I'm talking about AEW period. I'm ready to see her more consistently. I'm ready to see her get more shine, more opportunity than uh, what she's been getting because that girl is damn good. This match ends with Jordan Grace getting the win, but big shout out to both ladies. I think that they did well in this match. Next, we're going to talk about Championship Wrestling, episode number 83, their Halloween special. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is the promotion that I once knew as Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. I'm not sure that they're still out in L.A. Um, because they referenced, they referenced Memphis, Tennessee a lot. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure really what that deal is, but... You can find them on YouTube at Championship Wrestling. Like I said, episode 83, their Halloween special is the episode that I'm talking about today. The first matchup is Four Minutes of Heat versus VSK and Patrick Fitzpatrick. One of the notes that I have for this match is that it was very well put together. I talked to y'all on the uh, the first episode about how when you start getting into multi-man matches, tag team matches, things like that, it can tend to be a cluster. This is an example of a match that was very well put together. It was put together to the point that everyone got to shine. Everyone looked good in the match. And I think that that's hard to do when you have tag teams, when you have multi-man matches. It can be hard for for each individual to look good in the match. But this match was very well put together. VSK showcased... Um, very well with some uh, power moves. VSK and Patrick Fitzpatrick are not an official tag team while 4 Minutes of Heat are. And I believe that VSK and uh, Patrick Fitzpatrick actually put on a good showing considering that they're not a regular tag team. And, um, you know, like I told you guys last week with OVW, when you put two single stars together for a tag team, Sometimes it's just not a good look. Their styles don't match. Their their personalities don't match. And yeah, sometimes you can get real quirky, and it you know it it's it's one of them things where sometimes it shouldn't work, but it does. A lot of the times it just does not work. This worked. VSK and Fat and uh, Patrick Fitzpatrick did look well together as a team like i said four minutes of heat actually got the win which makes sense the more established tag team would get the win um but they both uh both teams look great and this match was great um shout out to patrick fitzpatrick i think they said he lost like a ton of weight so good on him 
Uh, next, we're going to go up and talk about Robin Shaw versus Chris Dickinson. Chris Dickinson gets the win in this match. And uh, one thing that I wanted to point out is that Chris Dickinson is a well-rounded wrestler. Um, I talked about it last week when I spoke about Joe Black um, at Pearl South's Wicked Havoc. You know, there are certain wrestlers who who are just well-rounded. A lot of wrestlers have one style and they stick to it. A big giant man is going to be, you know, just a big giant man. A, a cruiserweight is normally going to be a high flyer. You don't see much technicality out of him. A technical wrestler, you don't see too many power moves out of. You see more submissions and holds and things like that. Uh, but Chris Dickinson actually, to me, seemed like a very well-rounded wrestler. He was very technical, but he also had power behind him. He had speed behind him. Um, I looked at him and instantly thought Cesaro. I don't know if he gets that a lot, but I... When I saw him and then when I saw him wrestle, I instantly thought of Cesaro. And Cesaro is one of those guys who's extremely well-rounded. He's very technical, but of course, he has the power behind him. He has speed behind him. So I think that Chris Dickinson fits that bill very well. He's a great athlete, he seems uh, to be. And another note that I have in this match is that I love that Robin Shaw was not taken for a joke. A lot of the times when you have bigger opponents, when you have big men in a match, they're seen as the comedic relief. But I didn't get that out of this match. I watched this match and thought that Robin Shaw kept up extremely well with Chris Dickinson. And there were points in this match where I thought Robin Shaw was actually going to pull off uh, the victory over Chris Dickinson. So... I can definitely appreciate that they did not make him look like a joke. Like I said, Chris Dickinson with the win in this match. That was actually a really great match. Next, we have Richie Slade, one half of Beef Candy, taking on Jordan Cruz. Richie Slade uh, got the win, and I'm going to tell y'all right now, this match was my match of the show for this episode. Um, Cruz's athleticism, he has a great look, but his athleticism is off the charts. He did, and commentary pointed it out when he did it, he did a very beautiful Northern Lights suplex and uh, a bridge pin. And, you know, they pointed out on commentary that you don't see many people doing the bridge pin anymore. Oftentimes they do the Northern Lights suplex and then they turn themselves around to get the pin. And that can cost you a second or two depending on how fast or how slow you get around to doing that pin. Um, so to have the Northern Lights suplex and straight into the pin with the bridge, that was a beautiful thing to see. And he, he executed it beautifully. Not very many people can do that. Um, Beef Candy has fantastic charisma. They are probably one of the more charismatic tag teams that I've seen in watching uh, independent wrestling. I just, I wanted them to keep talking. You know, they had a segment before their match and I just wanted them to keep talking. I, I didn't, I did not want them to stop just being on camera. And I think that that's going to serve them very well in the future because their, their personalities 
are infectious. You look at them and you want to see them, whether they're heels, so you want to hate them, or I think that they would make great faces and, and you want to see them in, in, that, uh, in that form. They're very great with their charisma game. They know how to talk. They know how to present themselves. And that, I think, is going to carry them very, very far. Now we move on to our main event. Heather Monroe taking on Ruby Rays in a Halston body bag match. It's either a Halston body bag match or a Halston body body bag match. I'm unclear. Maybe I just got it wrong. But um, either way, yeah, Heather Monroe versus Ruby Ruby Rays. Ruby Rays gets the win in this match. First note, women main eventing, I'm all for it. If you have women main eventing your show, I'm going to take more notice of your show. Because as I said with Kenzie Page, Henry, and Jordan Grace, I love women's wrestling. And another note that I have, I think that there was a great contrast in styles in this match as well. Uh, Ruby Rays comes out as the the monstrous woman, uh, a la, who can I compare it to? Awesome Kong. You know, she comes out obvi- with an obvious size advantage. And I think commentary did a great job of building that size advantage up and, and noting that she's no slouch. And she damn sure wasn't. Versus Heather Monroe, who was the face in this match, but has more of a streamlined style of wrestling. She she was more flashy and more technical than Ruby Rays versus Ruby Rays, who was really ground and pound in your face. I'm going to whoop your ass. Um, there was great storytelling on commentary throughout this match. You know, I'm, I, I love that as well. When commentary does a good job of putting the story over without overwhelming you. I talked about that last week as well. I'm probably going to continue talking about it because it's not done very well in a lot of places. I think even in the major leagues, a lot of people, a lot of commentators don't really do a good job of putting the story over. Um, But they did a great job of explaining what was happening and whatnot. There is a spot in this match. It's the table spot. If you go and watch it, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. That table spot, both of them, they were back-to-back, was absolutely insane. I don't think I've ever seen that kind of situation happen um, in a tables match, or in a match involving a table, rather. Um, I'm sure it has happened, but it was it was definitely different to see it with women. You know what I mean? And it looked more impactful with these women in particular, so... Big shout out to those women. Big shout out to Championship Wrestling. This was a great episode, and uh, I, you know, I've I've watched on and off before. I think I'm gonna become a regular viewer of Championship Wrestling and what they have going on. So kudos to them for putting on an absolutely awesome show. All right. So next, we're gonna talk about Reality of Wrestling Swing Vote Drive In Special Part. Two last week I talked about part one. If you missed it, go check out that show and go check out the first part to this show, Reality of Wrestling. This week I'm talking about part two. Very short show, but it was still an impactful show. We're going to start the show off with Zach Mason taking on Warren Johnson. Zach Mason is the victor in this match. Um, 
I love this match because it was a big fight grudge match feel. If you uh, know anything about these two in reality of wrestling, you know that some time ago they were Fly Def, a tag team uh, that called themselves Fly Def. And I, I distinctly remember that because I remember when I seen them as Fly Def, I thought, oh, a, a black tag team with a unique name and they're actually killing it. You know what I mean? It, it didn't feel like it was forced. It didn't feel like these two were just thrown together. It felt like they they have a very natural uh, camaraderie with each other. And I also remember, I think I was watching Reality of Wrestling right when they broke up. So to see this match, to see it come here to this moment, um, it definitely is a big fight feel. It definitely is a grudge match, you know. Um, like I said, Zach Mason comes out with the win. There was great storytelling because of their past and because of where they are now. You know, it was inferred that maybe uh, Warren Johnson was jealous of Zach Mason because, as Booker T pointed out, when they first started, they were the same size, physical uh, size. And Zach Mason is noticeably bigger than Warren Johnson, so maybe Warren Johnson's mad at the physical growth of Zach Mason and how it turned into his personal growth of him. I guess I guess the inference was that he was kind of outshining Warren Johnson, and Warren Johnson was a little jealous. Warren Johnson now associated with the renegades of wrestling, and there was also debate of if Warren Johnson was the leader of Renegades of Wrestling. So there there was a really good bit of storytelling throughout this match, throughout the 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 whole match with the vibe of is there jealousy? Is there you know just a natural competition between two friends? What's going on between between these two to make it seem as if they have to be in this moment. Like I said, Zach Mason uh, came out winning this match. And this this match almost became my match of the show. That's how good it is. You guys have got to go watch this match. This is the second time now the reality of wrestling has put on an amazing match as the first match of that episode. Big shout out to them. Next up, we got Alex Gracia. Not Garcia, which I thought. <laughs> Alex Gracia taking on Roxy for the Diamonds Championship match. I love uh, the storytelling in this match because it's not very often that you get the feeling that the champion is the underdog. You know, a lot of the times in championship matches, you think obviously the champion has the advantage rules-wise they may have the advantage, but you know, this match did a great job of pitting Roxy as the underdog, even though she is the champion uh, going in. They touched on uh, Alex Gracia being a part of AEW Dark. She had just made her AEW Dark debut around the time of, of this uh, filming, I do believe. So, that was the story that they played up. And it was a great story that they played up. You know, Alex Gracia is moving up. She's hitting that next level, but she wanted the Diamonds Division Championship. And 
so this match and commentary done a great job of selling me on the Diamonds division. And a lot of people don't do that well with that when it comes to uh, women wrestlers, when it comes to women's wrestling in general. They don't do a great job of showing the significance of women. You know what I mean? And showing the significance of whatever championship the women are fighting for. They don't, I personally don't think that they do a great job of that in, uh, in, in, um, in mainstream wrestling, in the major leagues as well. I don't think that they do a good job. So I think Reality of Wrestling did a great job of putting emphasis on the Diamonds Championship itself and its importance. Um, and it's legacy, you know, with Alex, Alex Gracia being there for so long and Roxy being now as of this match, she had uh, become the longest reigning diamonds champion ever in reality of wrestling. So, you know, they, they, they did a fantastic job of putting that over Alex Gracia's pink nightmare submission. I loved it. It was unique. I don't think I've ever seen it. And it was so simple. But you could see how effective it was. And to the point where Roxy almost, you know, tapped out to it. But, of course, then we got Promise Braxton who came out. And so this match ended up going to a DQ. I want more Promise Braxton. She has a look about her. Y'all know how I get. She, they, 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 they have a look, buddy. Uh, Promise Braxton has a certain look about her that makes me want to see more of her. You know, I, I want to see more of what she can do. I want to see that that grittiness, that roughness that she has to her. Promise Braxton, a little bit of a roughneck. And I like that. You know what I'm saying? We don't get to see it. Again, we don't get to see it that often in women's wrestling. That kind of vibe from women. Oftentimes, people just want to, oh, she's pretty. And she, you know what I mean? Every now and then, you need a little roughneck. You know, to kind of balance that out. And I think that's what Promise Braxton is doing. I look forward to seeing where this thing goes with Promise Braxton and Alex Gracia and Roxy. Now we move on to the main event. I told y'all this was a short show. Three matches. Um, but now we move on to the main event. Abel Andrew Jackson, the face of the row, versus Ryan Davidson, ruthless Ryan Davidson, for the ROW Championship. Abel Andrew Jackson has a charisma that I think should take him to the very top of wherever he wants to be. He's one of the most charismatic people that I have seen in professional wrestling. And I mean, since I've started watching professional wrestling back in 1998. Abel Andrew Jackson has a charisma that is unmatched. I don't think anyone can out-charisma this man. He has a fantastic look. He's in great shape. Um, and I think that wherever he wants to go, if he wants to go, it would be a very safe bet to put your title on Abel Andrew Jackson. I believe he can be a world champion anywhere that he ends up being Ryan Davidson plays a perfect heel he has this real asshole quality about him I know that sounds a little you know asshole quality yeah asshole quality you you look at Ryan Davidson and you don't want 
to like him. And these two men, you know, there's a lot of history here because these two men, I want to say, started at the at the very beginning of R.O.W. I remember, you know, watching R.O.W. a, a few years ago before Booker T. brought it to where it is now. Um, and both of these men were there. Both of these men were a, a, a part of it. So, you know, th- there's a lot of history in this. This was also... This was a great wrestling match, I think. A lot of people, you know, they they do all the spot, the big spots, and you know, whoop de doo, and it's all fun and games. But this match, I think, showed that you can put on a great wrestling match without all that craziness, without all the high spots, the flips, the dips, the jumps, the you know, tope suicidas and things of that nature. You don't need all of that to put together a great main event match. And that's exactly what this was, a fantastic main event match. Abel Andrew Jackson actually uh, came out the victor and is now your ROW champion, Um, which, you know, I'm I'm excited to see that because I did not think that he was going to pull it out. That's a sign of, that's what I mean when I say a great wrestling match. Ryan Davidson was in control of most of this match. Abel Andrew Jackson managed to hit that swing vote and come out as the victor. Fantastic episode of Reality of Wrestling. So next up, we're going to talk about GIPW Presents Rocktober Fest. Um, I'm going to go ahead and warn y'all that I marked out a lot during this match. Um, I think I might have found my new favorite independent wrestler in this match. Um, so I, I got a lot of thoughts. I got a lot of things to say about this show. Uh, just, you know, forewarning. So to start, um, this was my first time watching GIPW. I'm going to be fair. My homies, I got a lot of homies on the show and they have been telling me to watch GIPW probably because they knew that I would love it. Um, but I just never did. You know what I mean? I, I watch a lot of wrestling, man. So it's hard to catch everything, but I, I, you know, I committed myself. I said, I'm going to watch my homies. They've been wanting me to watch their show. I'm going to watch their show. Boy, am I glad I did. Because now I, I'm almost certain I am a GIPW mark at this point. Um, the vibe of, G, of GIPW is very different. It, it gave me very much uh, Def Jam Vendetta. It gave me very much uh, somebody in the crowd was about to hand uh, one of the performers a beer bottle to smash over somebody's head. It gave me that kind of vibe. (laughs) And that vibe is not for everybody. But, you know, like I said, I watch a lot of wrestling. And when you watch a lot of wrestling in arenas, when you watch a lot of wrestling in studios, you get used to a certain vibe. So I think that this is the kind of wrestling that wrestling needs, you know, it's, it's something unique. It's something different. The same thing with a uh, reality of wrestling, you know, due to COVID, they moved their show outside into a parking lot. Yeah, we've seen wrestling shows outside, but this presented a different vibe. You know what I mean? And I think that that's exactly what GIPW did. It it presents a, a different vibe, something something unique to the world of professional wrestling. 
Um, and they got a bunch of black referees. I'm always on board seeing black people do more than just be the wrestler. You know what I mean? They had black referees. They had a black man on commentary. So, you know, big shout out to GIPW for the uh, inclusivity and for the diversity. You love to see it. Now, jumping off into this card, the first match we have is Jay Riley taking on the Wild Thing. Jay Riley picks up the victory in this match. I want to talk about Wild Thing's technical offense because on a card like this, and with this being the first match of the card, this being the match that's going to set the tone, I think that it could be overlooked. But I loved Wild Thing's technical offense. Everything that he done had a purpose. Every move he made had a purpose. And I like that. There was no wasted motion with him. If he went to strike you, he went to strike you to hurt you. Um, and I really dig that, man. It's, 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 it's refreshing to see because sometimes when you watch wrestling, especially a lot of you know, with me watching a lot of wrestling, sometimes you just get a lot of dead air, so to speak. You know what I mean? You just get a lot of times where neither guy's really doing anything. So, But I, I didn't feel that in this match. It felt like both guys were meaningful and did what they needed to do at every single moment. Uh, Jay Riley hit a spine buster. Y'all know I love spine busters. Nothing really to say or do about that. Just I love spine busters. Uh, this, but this was a very good match. This is a very good opening contest. I really, really enjoyed it. Now moving on to the second match, we have Sean Angelo Montana versus C.J. Morgan. Sean Angelo Montana picking up the victory in this match, and this was the match that made me realize. GIPW had a very hot crowd as well. Uh, and I mean, hot, they man, they were loud. Um, small, but loud. And that's what I like. That's, you know, I like that vibe, that intimate vibe. But listening to it, you would think that they were in a big arena of some sort. You know what I mean? It, 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 it definitely did not present itself to be the, I believe it was a club or a bar maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. But... Because of how loud that crowd was, especially during this match, it definitely didn't feel like it. Uh, I think commentary did a great job of putting over the story that CJ actually trained Sean. So there's a little level of um, respect in that um, in, in this match. Um, you saw it at the end of the match when the two men hugged it out, you know, there's just a, a level of respect for each other. But I think that that was great commentary story, uh, storytelling. Uh, great job with that. CJ done a hangman pile driver that looked absolutely crazy. It looked like he spiked Sean Montana just straight down onto his head. He pulled him onto the second rope and then just, Drop that it that looked crazy, and I want to see more of Sean Montana because he did a great job of selling in this match. He he sold everything that CJ Morgan did against him very well, and that was one of the first things that stood out to me about him 
was his ability to sell. Again, I, I say it about a lot of things and I say it because I feel like it's true. Selling is a little bit of a lost art. You know what I'm saying? A lot of these matches, especially on the independent scene, they're so fast. You know what I mean? It's boom, 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 boom. Hit hit your spot, hit this spot, hit this spot. So we don't really get to see a lot of selling anymore. Um, but I think that uh, Sean Montana done a fantastic job of selling during this match. Like I said, he actually ended up becoming the victor. The two men hugged it out at the end. Always good to see a sign of respect from uh, two people. Next up, we're... We have uh, the Menagerie taking on the West Coast Kings for the GIPW Tag Team Championships. Um, <clears throat> I'm a little biased. If you don't know me, the West Coast Kings are my boys. They're my big brothers, man. I love them guys. Um, and one note that I have, I, I never want the West Coast Kings to stop wrestling. I don't. I love seeing them wrestle, especially in this kind of environment where you get to be a little more free. You know, when I first seen them, the environment was, for lack of a better phrase, stuffy. Um, it was very sterile. It was very clean. You know what I mean? It, it was it was very button up kind of environment. But this kind of environment where I feel like they, they were able to kind of let their hair down and be more of themselves, that's where I think the West Coast Kings in particular thrive. When they get to just be themselves. They don't have to put on like, you know, that that they are the just the button up kind of guys. You know what I mean? Just be yourself. Cuss. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Fuck it. Just cuss a little bit. Uh, and, and, and I love that about them. And I feel like that they got to showcase that in this match. I love the technicality of the menagerie in particular. I believe his name is Voodoo J. I could be wrong. Um, but I love his technicality. I love the technicality of him, you know, kind of breaking Aaron Black down. You know, that's what you got to do when you have a larger opponent, when you're going up against somebody bigger than you. You got to kind of break them down to your level. And I think that in the beginning of this match, um, they did a great job of doing that. They And throughout the match, they did a great job of kind of uh, bringing the West Coast Kings down to their size and sort of, uh, attempting to wrestle their style of match or wrestle a style that they knew would work for them. I think that they did a great job with that. Um, so this match ended in a no contest. Listen. So the frat party, the frat party, frat party, I'm not sure if there's a D there. Um, they came out, attacked Everyone and this match ended in a no contest. But there was a damn chair shot. <laughs> they hit a chair shot on Aaron Black. And I seen it, but it didn't really register. I had went to talk to Aaron about something or another. And he, you know, asked me, did I see that chair shot? So I went back. And I watched it again. Like, I seen it, but I went back and made sure that I was paying attention to that chair shot. And damn, 
That's about all I can say. No Ron Simmons. But damn. That was a... Oh, that chair shot was so nasty. It, that was that was a wicked-ass chair shot. And I'm excited to see what happens, you know, from here. I'm excited to see what happens. Is, is you know, is Aaron Black going to come back with Austin Towers and they're going to wreck shop like I know they can? I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I'm really, really excited to see what they got going on. Next up, we got Luke Stone taking on Tony James right off the bat. Tony James is a fucking hoss. Do you hear me? Tony James looks like the kind of motherfucker that you don't want to meet in in, in an alley. And I'm going to talk about another hoss here in just a little bit with this next match that's coming up after this one. But I have in my notes... Tony James is a fucking hoss. That man looks like he can whoop damn near anybody's ass. Now, on to my next note for this match. Underdogs always get me. It's 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 a tried and true story in professional wrestling. You know, the underdog taking on the much larger or much more experienced opponent or you know what what have you and Luke Stone was the underdog in this match so I was all in on this match when I felt that there was an underdog vibe to it um <clears throat> this was a good match I think that their styles complemented each other very well it started out or at least it looked to me like uh Luke Stone might have been a little nervous. I kind of, I don't, I, that's just the vibe I got from him. I, you know, in the beginning of the match that he might have been a little nervous, but he quickly shed that off of him. And I'm glad that he shed that because we ended up getting a fantastic match out of it. So moving on, we've got the Renegade Enforcer taking on Big Velvet. Y'all remember in the beginning of me talking about GIPW, in the beginning of me talking about this show, I said that I believe I have found my new favorite independent wrestler. I believe Renegade Enforcer is my new favorite independent wrestler. Let me tell y'all something. I like it. When big motherfuckers do big motherfucking shit. That's what Renegade Enforcer did. I didn't know what to expect. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I had heard his name because obviously I followed WWA4 and he trained there. So I knew who he was or I knew of him going into the match. But I think this might have been the first match of his that I have ever seen. And <laughs> y'all, I I don't even know if I can properly express what this match did to me. Big Velvet didn't even really get a lot of offense in this match. Because Renegade Enforcer was a big motherfucker doing big motherfucking shit. He was throwing this man around like he was a child. Big Renegade Enforcer leaped over the top rope and did one of the cleanest leg drops 
that I've ever seen a big man do. A leg now a leg drop is is a very simple move, but it's easy to make it look messy. So for his to look clean, not only did the leg drop look clean, but y'all he jumped over the top. I literally paused the show. And I said out loud, I said, self, did you just see this big motherfucker hop over this top rope and hit a clean ass leg drop? And then myself said, hell yeah, I seen that shit. Listen, I, again, I cannot properly express what this match made me feel, but I'm almost certain. Renegade Enforcer is my new favorite independent wrestler. If you don't watch any match, this whole show is fucking amazing. But if you don't watch any other match from this show, get your damn life and go watch Renegade Enforcer versus Big Velvet. Because this match will turn you the fuck up. It turned me up to 20. And this is already after having a dope show so far. Amazing. I loved it. Now we're moving on to the Brandon Watley Open Challenge, which ended up being Brandon Watley taking on uh, Skrilla the Great. Two of my homies, again, the, to, two of the homies who have been telling me to watch this show. I'm finally here, y'all. Okay? Don't don't come for my neck. I'm finally here, fellas. Um, but I love this match, and I love this crowd. They were. This was another match where... They were so loud during this match. And I think that's what we all missed in professional wrestling over these past seven months that, you know, no one could wrestle anywhere in the country because of COVID-19. We really missed that vibe of the live crowd. It's, it's, like, uh, it's okay. I like the innovation that a lot of these other companies are doing. But there's just nothing like being in front of a live crowd or being in a live crowd and feeling that electricity and that that love for what they're seeing. My best friend, Tevin, uh, anytime we go to a show, he always looks at me and he goes, Jordan, do you feel that? Do you feel that? And that this is exactly what he was talking about because I felt it through the screen. I wasn't even really there, but I felt that electricity in the crowd. This crowd was fucking amazing. Um, Skrilla's ruthlessness, ruthlessness. I'm going to learn how to talk one day, y'all. It was a thing of beauty. I, I, You don't see a lot of people being that ruthless anymore. No Lala, <laughs> but uh, you know he he had this this certain grittiness to him. I think uh, I, I mentioned this kind of thing with Promise Braxton earlier when I talked about reality of wrestling. Skrilla has a certain grittiness, like a certain rough roughness, a roughneck vibe to him, or at least he did in this match that I think serves him very, very, very well. Um, and it's going to serve him well in whatever he wants to do. I want to see Skrilla in more places. I don't know if people ain't booking him. I don't know if he's limited in his booking. I may have to ask him if you hear this, hit me up, bro. Let me know. Um, but I'm really, I want to see Skrilla in more places and I want to see him 
on a bigger platform because the vibe that I get from him is superstar. Not even going to lie. This is maybe the second or third match that I've seen of his. It's the best match that I've seen so far. And I, for sure, he has superstar written all over him. That dude has superstar written all over him. And another note that I have, Brandon Watley's game has significantly elevated. I've been watching Brandon Watley for like a year now. Maybe I've seen a bunch of Brandon Watley matches from watching Pro South and uh, New Era from, you know, just local promotions. So I've I've seen what he can do. And I don't know if if it's just he he he's genuinely just turned it up. I don't know if Skrilla brings out the best in him. But this might be my favorite Brandon Watley match that I have ever seen. His game, he, he felt so on point in this match. And his game felt so elevated. His technicality felt really good in this match. So, Brandon, when you hear this, big shout out to you. More of that. If the problem is that you're not get, getting quality opponents, I don't know. I'm just saying in general. If the problem is that you are not getting quality opponents, we got to start finding you some more quality opponents. Because what you did in this match, I liked Brandon before. I, I did. I liked him a lot. And he knows that. This match made me like him even more. And that's all I got to say about that. Next up, we have the main event, Bryce Cannon versus Mr. Wright for the GIPW Heavyweight Championship. Mr. Wright comes in as your champion. I don't know if it was a time thing or what, but this match felt really short for it to be the main event and for it to be, I believe it was a title match. Um, but this match felt really short. I, I don't know. I don't really know what what that was. But, you know, if, if you guys have seen the show or if you go watch the show, tell me what you guys think on uh, my social media. But this felt really, really short. And I would have liked to see. I, I don't feel like I got enough out of it for it to be the main event. Either that or the bar was set so high previously that it didn't live up to that bar that I had set, you know, um, because some of these matches were just so damn good, like it raised the bar. And I I don't know. And that's not a knock on the performers. They were both great. I love Bryce Cannon's uh, character. I love that he came out with uh, with that fucking fraternity paddle. I love Mr. Wright's vibe. He He had a certain flamboyancy to him. That I really liked. It was it was kind of almost like a Ric Flair flamboyance. When I say flamboyant, you know, some of y'all, eh, you get in your feelings. I'm talking about more of like a Ric Flair flamboyance, you know, over the top, that kind of thing. That that's what I felt from him. Um, so it's not when I say that it's definitely not a knock on the performers. I don't know if it was just time wise. I I don't really know this this match just felt very short to me and. I couldn't really get a good like assessment of what I felt with this match. Does that make sense to y'all? Um, so I, I I actually I didn't take any notes. I didn't take any notes for this match because it just felt 
it, it didn't feel like it warranted any notes. I don't feel like there was enough action for me in this match. Again, that has nothing to do with the performance because they were both great for what they did. I'm just not sure if, like I said, it was a timing thing or something felt off and I didn't really vibe with the match itself. Um, so I, I, I didn't take any notes. But overall, GIPW Rocktoberfest was a fantastic show. I loved it from top to bottom, including the main event. Um, and I'm for sure going to be tuned in every month. I believe it's a monthly show and it comes out on Fight TV. So, you know, a lot of you guys who listen to this might have the Fight TV app or, you know, I watched it on my laptop. Just get on there and type in GIPW. Um, and you're going to see an awesome show. If this show is any indication of just GIPW as a whole, I'm going to love GIPW. And it's probably going to become my favorite indie wrestling promotion. It was that good. Hey guys, I'm really thankful that you guys are checking out the show. Real quick, I wanted to remind you that it's really easy to follow the podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you might be hearing this podcast. Go ahead and click the subscribe button that's on it, okay? That way you know when a new episode drops of the podcast. And you can follow me on my social media. I'm on Instagram at the Jordan Terrell, and I'm on Twitter at Mr. Jordan Terrell. Let's keep the conversations going. You know what I mean? Now, let's get back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we have now moved to the portion of the show that I like to call the brass ring. This is the portion of the show where I show love, give admiration and respect to an independent Pro wrestler, and this week I am giving the brass ring to none other than Mr. Trevor Eon. Now, I started watching Pro South out of Piedmont, Alabama last year when Trevor was in Japan. I knew who he was, I had heard of him, but I I had not seen him wrestle. So, me being who I am, I like to fancy myself as a wrestling. Uh, kind of sore. I looked him up. I wanted to see what this Trevor A, uh, Trevor Eon dude was all about. And then he came back to Pro South, and I continued watching Pro South, and got to get a good vibe for him. The reason that I am giving Trevor the brass ring this week is because of his uniqueness. Trevor. Eon is unlike any wrestler that you have ever seen before. I'm almost certain that if you do see him, you will find some way to compare him to certain wrestlers. You might say Gangrel, you might say Boogeyman, but you'd be wrong. Trevor is a character all on his own. And in 2020, having a unique presence about yourself, especially in a business where it's hard to not do something that has not been done already. Being unique is a value. And I believe that Trevor has that in spades. Not only is his character amazing, but his in-ring work is impeccable. 
Trevor might be one of the best in-ring workers in the country today. I mean, there's a reason he went to Japan last year. Not everybody, especially not from our area, gets to go to Japan. You know? Um, he also, you you heard me go on about it in last week's show, and I'm going to reiterate it. I'm going to double down this episode. Trevor's promo work is some of the best promo work that I have ever seen in my life. Every promo you can tell he he put thought and effort into it versus just standing in front of a wall, throwing out some curse words, throwing in the date and throwing in the location. Trevor actually put some effort into his stuff. He actually makes it worth watching and he does what a promo is supposed to do. He gets you hype for whatever the situation is. I think that if given the opportunity, Trevor on a larger scale will not only be able to showcase himself, but be able to showcase whoever his opponent is. Every match that I've seen Trevor Eon in, he has uh, not only made himself look good, but he's made his opponents look good. If I were on the booking committee for a, uh, a a major promotion, a WWE, an AEW, even an MLW, I think Trevor would be great in MLW now that I think about it. Um, but if I were the booker for any of those shows, if I were the owner of any of those shows, my goal would be to give Trevor Eon a contract because he deserves it. He works hard. He put he puts in hard work harder than most people. He's extremely unique. He's one of the best talkers that I've seen. Extremely convincing. Um, and it's just, I mean, on his Twitter. You know what I mean? Outside of promo work, even just on his Twitter, I think that Trevor is one of the most convincing talkers that I've ever seen. Trevor is... One of the good ones, man. And I, like I said, I think if given the opportunity, Trevor would not only seize the opportunity, but he would shatter through any glass ceiling that anybody could possibly put onto him. That's why this week I'm giving Trevor Eon, the big bat, the brass ring. That's all I got for you this week, ladies and gentlemen, on the following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and just about any other podcast platform that you can think. Be sure to follow me on my social media in order to engage with me. Keep the conversation going. I'm on Instagram at the Jordan Terrell. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Jordan Terrell. And that's it. Hey, make sure you guys go watch all these shows. Make sure you guys are supporting indie wrestling, especially in these COVID times, man. Uh, It's needed. We all need a good time. Indie wrestling is coming back stronger and more creative than ever. It's a good time to be a fan. It's a great time to be in the business. My name is Jordan McClain, and that is it for episode two of the following podcast is scheduled for one fall.